Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia, and today I'll be joined by a special guest, Jonathan Mathis of SoCal Sports, also known as the Sports Judge. And in today's episode of the Two Shots Podcast, we'll be talking about the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors Game 7. Was it that there's a conspiracy to just have the Cavs and the Warriors in the NBA Finals and the league wanted the Golden State Warriors to win? Or did the Houston Rockets just give this game away? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about this new development with uh, Coangelo and the 76ers. We'll also talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming 2018 NBA Finals and have a preview of that. And we'll talk about a little bit more on an all-new episode of the Two Shots Podcast, starting now. All right, Jonathan. Well, we'll dive in here and we're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets game seven. After that game, we had a bunch of salty Houston Rockets fans right after this game ended. They even put up video on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I saw it everywhere. They even they had taken a video and they said these are the nine calls that the referees missed during this game that basically the Rockets didn't lose. It was a conspiracy to push the Golden State Warriors to the NBA Finals yet again. But if you look at the game and you see what happened, it was the tale of two halves. In the first half, you had the the Rockets, and they looked great. They were sharing the ball. They were being aggressive, going to the rim. They were going to the free throw line. I mean, they were on fire. I mean, it, looks like, it looked like they were unstoppable, and they had the Warriors on the ropes. They had them shook. But they got away from what was working, and they went back to shooting up threes. And then when I believe at one time they were 0 for 27 from beyond the arc. So when you do that, and you're not hitting any shots, and you just keep flinging up three threes like crazy, it's a recipe for disaster. And I believe for the game, they were something like 7 of 43 or 7 of 44 from beyond the arc. I mean, that was just a recipe for disaster. They gave this game away to the Warriors. There was no conspiracy because I'm sure there was calls on the other end that the refs missed as well for the Golden State Warriors. It wasn't just a one-sided affair. The Rockets had the Warriors on the ropes, and they let them go. They didn't deliver the knockout blow. And I believe somebody had also put up a stat saying if the Rockets had just scored 10 to 12 two-pointers, they would have actually won the game by one point. So that was, I mean, to me, it wasn't a conspiracy. The Rockets just gave this one away, flinging up threes, and they weren't hitting nothing. What was your take on this, Jonathan? Well, in a deciding game seven, you have to play smart basketball. You can't just hoist shots and expect to win the basketball game. It doesn't work out like that. They abandoned the paint from the first half. The first half, they was, you know, getting it done at the basket. They was attacking the rim. 
they looked like a team that wanted it more. And as you said, they had them on their ropes. They had the Warriors. They they had this game. Then once again, it was deja vu all over again in the second half, of like just like what we saw in Game Six, and they just they just blew it. They they just didn't look like the team that wanted it more. They didn't look like the team that uh that was hungry enough to beat a, a Warriors team that. Looked that had more poise and athleticism. Uh, it, it just was a team that looked lost and confused. And the Warriors, once again, uh, you know, played the full 48 minutes and took them out of their game. It, it's it's really that simple. They took them out of their game. And the Rockets, once again, like game six, they look like a team that uh, – was a, a little rattled by the Warriors and their uh, three-point shooting spree, and they tried to play their game, and they couldn't match their level of uh, intensity, and I think that's what hurt the Rockets more than anything. And, and now you have fans that's, that saying fire Mike D'Antoni, <laughs> Trey James Harden. You're hearing all these ridiculous uh, you get all these ridiculous t- tweets from the fans, and that's understandable because at the time the fans are frustrated, your your emotions are running high. You know you're gonna say things that you might later regret or that you really didn't mean, uh, and that's a fan base for you. You know it, it's frustrating when you lose to the same team two years in a row, and you get so close and you can't you know make that 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 extra push to get into the finals a place they haven't been in 23 years since they won in 95. Uh, it was indeed a shooting meltdown for the Rockets. Uh, you know, uh, I think that their shot selection was terrible. I think they uh, they they just stopped uh, driving to the basket. You know, uh, Clint Capella wasn't getting enough touches in the second half. I felt like you abandoned him. What he have done? What he had done? Uh, from what he had done in the first half, you know, it, it was for a minute there. It looked like the Rockets could run away with it because James Harden was getting everybody involved. He was spacing the floor. He was lobbing passes to Clint Capella, and I think that they should have given Clint Capella more touches in the second half. But you can't blame the referees. You can't blame the officiating. When you had a 17-point lead, you just can't do that. You, you, yeah. it, you know, it, it's 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 hard to blame someone else. Fouls are part of the game. That's the thing. Fouls are part of the game, and you're going to have to play through them whether you like it or not, and the refs aren't going to always call it in your favor. Even if you're at home, they're going to miss some of exactly. these calls. You know, so I think that the Rockets started buying too much into that. They just got away from what was working for them. They got frustrated right. because they weren't able to hit shots down the stretch. They went ice right. cold, and they couldn't they find the guy who had the hot hand. You know, instead of settling, they were settling for threes instead of settling for, you know, let's go ahead and take some perimeter shots and get this game going. Let's be more aggressive to the rim. When they started doing that, it was already like maybe three, four minutes left in the game, and it was already mm-hmm. too little too late. If they had done that from the get-go, from the opening from the opening of the third quarter, they would have been able to, I think, stay, if not, you know, build upon the lead, kind of, you know, have a little 
a little bit of a, a head start on the Warriors in the fourth quarter. They might have had a three or four point lead, but I mean, you expect the Warriors to make a run. But you know, Houston just you, got you away do, from it. But exactly, and the Rockets were were zero for twenty seven from beyond the three point line. Yeah, that was that was that was humiliating. It was it was quite embarrassing, and it it was uh. It was hard to watch. It was very painful to watch. And the Warriors during that span, they made 13 of 23 from outside. So yeah. that right there just that tells you everything you need to know. And the, and the Rockets didn't even have sport. fast break points either up until that point. They had zero right. fast break points on the night. And when they say even said when the other team right. beats you on the three point line and beats you in the in the fast break point stat. Every time right. that's happened, it's gone. The game's gone in the favor of the Warriors, and unfortunately, that right. happened again with the Rockets in Game Seven. Exactly, and and you know the Warriors outscored Houston fifty nine thirty four, and that was your ball game. That was the summary in the second half. Yeah, so basically, we have this reunion again, which is going to lead us into our next segment of the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers once again in the NBA playoffs. And everybody says it's a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. The The problem that's going on that a lot of fans fail to realize is these are the two best teams in the league right now until one until somebody can come out, come out and actually beat one of these teams. Then we'll see somebody new in the finals. But LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers found ways to win against a young athletic Boston Celtics team. I knew that was going to happen because they are young and they are inexperienced. The Cleveland Cavaliers found a way to win in the waning moments of that fourth quarter. And lo and behold, they're over in the NBA Finals again and they're going to be facing the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors, they were on the ropes. Houston could have delivered the knockout blow. But for some reason, they just took their foot off the gas and they just let them come right, right back in the game and win. So you have the Warriors and the Cavs again. Now, is it going to be the same I guess thing that we've been seeing where the Warriors are going to be dominant and the Cavaliers are going to, you know, not get swept, but maybe find a way to win maybe one game, maybe two, but you know what's coming because the Cavs are great as far as the new team that they have, but they don't have superstars. You know, they have the legitimate superstar in LeBron James, best player in the world, which is he's going up against three superstars on the other end you know you have Stephen Curry you have Kevin Durant you know you you have Klay Thompson you have a Draymond Green you know you have this nucleus of of players that are more athletic that can hit open threes that can wreak havoc on a game and I just don't see that the Cavaliers have that plethora of talent to actually pull this win out the only way I can see them winning this series is if somebody gets hurt. And that's one of the big three for the for the Warriors. You know, if a Kevin Durant goes down, a Stephen Curry goes down, a Klay Thompson goes down, somebody somebody of in the, of that caliber goes down, you're going to have problems. They're already without Andre Iguodala. And the thing is, are we going to actually be seeing Kevin Love return as well? Because you have Andre Iguodala out for the Warriors and you also have Kevin Love that supposedly might be out for this first game due to that concussion protocol. We don't know if he's going to be back or not. And if 
Kevin Love doesn't come back, I give the the Cavs no shot. I give them maybe one game, give them a gentleman sweep. But if they don't have Kevin Love out there, they're in a world of hurt. I mean, what do you think is going to happen, Jonathan? Yes, if they don't have Kevin Love out there, they're in big trouble. Remember, Kevin Love was a huge part of their offense throughout the stretch of the postseason. So if you don't have him, I I can't give you much of a chance to win. And LeBron, as we all know, he's done so much with limited talent, and he basically dragged the worst roster that he's ever had into the into the finals. How impressive is that? But yeah. he's complained of fatigue, how tired he is, you know, that this is a lot on his body. And understandably so, because he's pretty much done it all. He's done everything for his team. But he can't do it alone. He's going to be what? It's going to be like four on one. That don't really give you much of a chance to win. Uh, I mean, he leads leads his team uh, unpredictably with not much of a supporting cast around him ever since Kyrie Irving uh, was traded from the the Cavaliers. So, no, I I can't give them that much of an advantage when Golden State Warriors is a more confident team. They have all the momentum going into this series just by what they did to Houston in the last two games of, this, of the uh, Western Conference Finals. Yeah, they can't. Uh, they don't. Nobody has a uh, a way to stop Kevin Durant. You know, they just can't no stop one, him. No, they can't stop. They can't stop Clay Thompson either. They can't stop Stephon Curry either. Once those guys get going, it's a whole totally new ball game. Yeah, and, and they can't the stop. Warriors, they can't stop LeBron James either. But he's going to do it all by right. himself. You know, like you said. Yes. And, and the Warriors, they look locked in right now. They they look like yeah. they're the favorite going into the series, and they they're the team to beat. Yeah, that they do. I mean, they they have that that look in their eye where they know that the end of the line is close. That that final goal is close. They're they're this. They're like four four wins away from getting another championship, and they have that look, like Draymond says. You're just in our way. Nobody's going to stop us. We're going to mow all over you. You know, we're going to mow you guys down. We know what we want and we're coming for it. You know? And and Andre Iguodala with his leg injury, he is out of game run. He's ruled out of game one. But we know if he does come back sometime in this series that that he will be, uh, uh, that his primary assignment will be guarding LeBron James. Yeah, and he's not 100% with that knee. So the question is are you going to are you going to see something along the lines that, you know, of course is what coach Pop does. And Steve Kerr is a product of coach Pop. So he's going to always put his players first and he's going to consider their health before anything else. I would actually expect him not to play Iggy the whole the whole series. You know, if he wants to come back and he can prove that you know you are 100 percent and you're ready to go i mean that's going to be up to the medical staff to, to make that determination but andre iguodala is getting a second opinion right now he's he's scrambling to try to come out and play but i just don't think that his knee and the injury that he has is going to let him it's unfortunate but if he wants to come back and play and make another run for another title he's got to consider his body you know and he's not getting any younger so if I was Andre Iguodala, 
even though it pains me and it would hurt, I, I would put my health first, you know, before getting out there and possibly, you know, suffering a, a career ending injury. I mean, he can he can actually blow something out in his knee, you know, and that's not something you want. I mean, we've seen how it's affected Tony Parker. You're going to have to rehab and come back from something like that. And it takes almost more than a year, you know, so uh, I would say at this juncture, if the Warriors are doing good. Just keep Iggy out and let him rest and let him get healed up. Same thing with Kevin Love. I mean, the the Cavs need him. They need him. They need him to get right and come back. But I mean, if he's he's still suffering some 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 of these concussion after effects, you can't put somebody in the game because he's just one other. He's just another hit away from going right back into that concussion protocol. So it, it's a tough decision on both parts for both coaches. But the only way that I can see the Cavaliers even maybe winning one or two games is that they're going to have to find a way to stop or get both Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry in, in foul trouble, even possibly Kevin Durant. That's the only way that you're going to be able to create some breathing room because we saw that they're susceptible to getting in foul trouble early, you know, as far as Clay Thompson goes. And Stephen Curry, he can't he can't guard anybody. So if you have him in isolation plays and you go straight at him and you're a bigger, stronger player in LeBron James, I mean, I would just take it to the rim every time I get that mismatch. You know, if I have a Klay Thompson on me or I have a Stephen Curry on me, I'm taking it to the rim. Even Draymond Green, if you can get them in foul trouble, you give yourself a shot, you know. But if you continue to let them just fire away at will, you, you're just going to – they're going to shoot you out of this series. Exactly, exactly. And the Cavs, by the way, the Cavs uh, have been outscored 438-437 uh, in their 18 playoff games and have just hit 34.6% of their shots. And Golden State, on the other hand, have been outscoring their opponents by 130 points in the third quarter. Yeah, those are some very telling stats, though. I mean, that that tells you that the Cavaliers aren't a very good offensive shooting team. You know, how many times exactly. in this playoff series have we seen them go for, you know, 110, 115, 120 points? Have they beat anybody by 40-plus points? You know, the, the games have been kind of close. In fact, they're the ones that have gotten blown out more times than they've been blowing other teams out. So mm -hmm. you got to, you, in other words, the Cavaliers have to play their style of basketball. And what that means is that their key to victory is going to be playing really tough defense and also controlling pace. If they can't control the pace and they want to get caught up in exchanging, trying to exchange three pointers and just start running on the Warriors, they're going to lose. You know, they have to be able to control the pace and that means slowing the game down. You know, managing the the shot clock, using your your gifts to your advantage. You're not as athletic, and you're not blessed with the plethora of shooting talent that the Warriors have. But what you do have is you have a bunch of great role players on your team. You have a George Hill. You know, you have some players that have some veteran experience, and they know what to do in these situations. I mean, they've seen how the Warriors are. They've played them several times already. So, I mean, you would think that the law of averages after playing a team so many times, so many times that you're going to learn something from this. So I actually 
think that if the Cavaliers are fundamentally sound on their defense and find a way to control pace, they can win more than one game. But can they win the series? That's the big question mark right here. I don't, I don't know that they can. I, I'm more until they can prove me wrong. I'm giving this one to the Warriors. What's your take? You got this. Do you have the Cavaliers or do you have the Warriors winning? I have the Warriors in six. I will give LeBron okay. and the Cavaliers two games because of LeBron's talent and you're his kinder physical than me. attributes. Yeah. What was that? I said you're a kinder man than I am. <laughs> yes, and you know the Warriors, man. They 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 have the the best offense, and in the league, and nobody's nobody can stop them. Nobody can stop them. Also, the Warriors have been the postseason's most improved defense. They d- defensively, uh, they have continued th- uh, that trend. So, I just don't see. Uh, I just don't see Cleveland coming out of this. I don't. Yeah, so that's our take on what we expect to see, you know, in this 2018 NBA Finals. Uh, He's saying, Jonathan's saying six. I say Warriors win in five. Uh, Jonathan's a a little bit more lenient than I am, but I'll, I'll have to go with what I think until, you know, these this Cavaliers team can prove me wrong. So I picked Warriors in five. Jonathan picks Warriors in six. So moving on to our next topic, it was a hot take, man. This morning, I woke up and it was like all hell was breaking loose. We had a hot story break, and it was involving 70, the 76ers GM and he, him making supposedly uh, five burner accounts on Twitter. And Brian Colaneglo, or what do you say? Coangelo. <laughs> Brian Coangelo. I always get confused with his name. It reminds me of Cologne. So <laughs> Brian Colangelo, 76ers GM, supposedly made a couple of burner accounts on Twitter and was divulging personal team information, you know, medical information, stuff that a GM should not be divulging to the public. He was he was even throwing shade at Joel Embiid, Nerlens Noel, Jael Okafor. I mean... He was saying things and doing things and engaging with people on Twitter with these burner accounts. And this came out on the ringer. You know, this story that broke was on the ringer and it was done by a, a Ben Detrick. And in this in the article, if you haven't read the article, you go to the ringer and look at this article that was done by Ben, Ben Detrick. Uh, it was very good. Very well done. And it's been all over the place. They've been talking about this on ESPN, Fox Sports uh, 1, you know, with Shannon and and Skip Bayless. And it's just been one of those enigmas. Why would a GM engage in this type of behavior? You would expect this out of a player, but not out of a GM and not out of one who has uh, the pedigree of Coangelo. Um, You know more about this. You were even telling me that his dad, Jerry Coangelo, is the guy who's in charge of you know getting the the talent ready or or going after the talent for Team USA basketball? The Coangelo name is in you know has been out there in basketball circles for many years, and it's kind of a a stain on the name now that you have this you know supposed I guess you know misbe inappropriate behavior by his son. 
You know, so what's your take on this? I mean, it's weird, Jonathan. Yes, uh, I'm a little uh, surprised by it. Uh, given this man's stature. Yeah, their pedigree. And knowing, yeah, and, and knowing uh, the type of family they are, they, they are well-respected by many around the league. Uh, they have done brilliant jobs in building foundations for, uh, you know, NBA teams. And, you know, these guys have been around the league for uh, a long time. And, you know, it's just, it's just an unfortunate situation. It's one that's hard to wrap your, wrap your head around as you, as you, as you are still processing uh, the, the, the information and you're still trying to understand uh, why did this happen? What was the the motive for uh, him to take it to this extreme? Uh, why would he uh, link uh, personal information like this uh, out there on social media for for the world to see it? Uh, those are the questions that 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 are floating through your mind. You know, as yeah. you try to, uh, you know, uh, get a better understanding for the for the incident that has occurred, uh, it's just one of those situations where you have to kind of sit back and wait to more is uh, is more information as yeah. time goes on because you know now the Sixers have lunch. The Sixers have launched into an investigation, uh, you know, to see what really happens. And once we really know all the facts to this story, uh, Colangelo could uh, this could he could lose his job. Really much, this, yeah, this could pretty much jeopardize his uh, job as the president of team operations. It, it's just it's it's un, it's un, it's unreal. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I just was looking at Adrian Wojnarowski's uh, tweet. You know, before we came on on air, and it and he had said too, he's like uh, the 76ers president Brian Colangelo has been actively reaching out to individuals mentioned in those burner accounts, insisting that he isn't responsible for these tweets. League sources tell ESPN Sixers probe is underway in aftermath of the Ringer story that broke. So that's going to be interesting. I I almost guarantee you that he was at the center of these supposed burner accounts. <clears throat> because if you want to read more about what we're talking about, go and look at that that article on The Ringer. It's very telling because the journalist who wrote this actually was talking to the people that at, you know, or the upper management for the 76ers and brought it to their attention. But he didn't tell them all the burner accounts. He only leaked about, I think, two or three. I think it was two accounts. And... He just wanted to see for himself, if I tell them this and they actually talk to Colangelo and these accounts start getting deleted, then that's very telling. That means that he was assumptions were spot on and they were because after he went ahead and told the 76ers organization what was going on, those accounts started getting deleted. So it doesn't matter if you delete accounts or not. That information still in the in the World Wide Web ether. And if somebody who's well-versed in information technology, they can go in there and they can just pull this this information or they can actually hand over uh, legal paperwork to Twitter and Twitter will actually have to divulge, you know, 
personal information in regards to these accounts. So it's going to be he said, she said until they can actually prove it. But I think the proof is out there. And unfortunately for Coangelo, his days, I think, in basketball might be over coming to an end because nobody's going to want to deal with anybody who engages in this type of, you know, behavior that's detrimental, not just to the team, but also to the players. Um, that's that's something that you just can't overlook. And speaking of yes. detrimental behavior, that's going to lead us into another uh, hot topic or another hot take. You, you know what? This can also have an effect on their free agency in the oh, offseason. Yeah. This can also, this can, this could turn away LeBron. It can turn away a lot of people, even players that they have right now. If, you know, they might feel a certain way about what's happened and they might want to be thinking about leaving, even though they might have wanted to stay at one point, you know? So this is, yeah, this is going to affect have, a lot. Might have just, yeah, it might have just derailed their free agency uh, this offseason. Yeah. So we're going to go into another hot take here. And this one involves Roseanne Barr yet again. We're talking about Roseanne Barr all after all of these years. And I had told you before we came on air, you can't cure a person of ignorant behavior. You know, it, and it, we've done a lot, I think, over the course of the last couple of years of, of doing better as a nation as far as knowing what a person can and cannot say as far as being more sensitive. Now, there's still a lot of ignorance out there, and that's never going to change, you know, until maybe this younger generation can finally, you know, start making strides in, in the in the places that we could not. But things are changing. And I can see that in the in the landscape of things out there as far as racism. You know, there's still a lot of work to be done, but I feel that people are at least a little bit more sensitive about what they say in person, not so much on social media, but what they say in person, that part has changed. We can't do nothing away about the way the police and some of these other, you know, people are engaging in, in behavior that they shouldn't shouldn't be. And it's detrimental uh, to the police force as a, as, a, as a whole, because a lot of people feel a certain way about the police out there doing their job. You know, and in a lot of in a lot of ways, I know that there's always two sides to every story. But, you know, when you see so many of this, you know, things going on out there, I mean, something has to change. And the thing is, Roseanne, she was the number one rated show right now in the nation. It was a big hit for ABC. And over the Memorial Day weekend, she came out and said some very horrible things. You know, very her tweets were very racially charged. I mean, there's certain things that you can't and cannot say about people. You know, and the, the thing to me is if you can't say anything good on Twitter, then why even put it out there? If it make it's making you cringe, maybe you shouldn't put it out there. And because of her behavior, once again, she went out there and said some things and you can go and check those out for yourself because I won't I won't repeat them. I know people on the news have been repeating what she said, but I won't do that out of respect for the person who was involved in this but her behavior once again has had these after effects where you've had all these people, all these writers, all these employed people that were part of the show now losing their jobs. Even the actors that were involved with this sitcom that came back and saw new life 
and had, you know, were excited about doing this and had probably had new hope and said, well, I haven't had, a, you know, an acting job in quite some time. This is fun. I'm enjoying it, you know. Now they're looking for work. I mean, what do you, and all you can say is, I'm sorry. That's, I'm sorry, but that's not good enough. And you know what? At the end of the day, the ones that you have to blame for all this is ABC because you know what? You guys should have known better. You can't cure a person of ignorance. And she's been doing this and she has the I don't care attitude. And there's people that are going to gravitate to that. But they already knew before they even hired her what was going to happen. You know, they're more going to give her the benefit of the doubt. No, you guys pretty much knew what was going to happen. What they should have done is make the show more about her kids. You know, the, the, the second generation, this, you know, the generation of her children, Roseanne Barr's children. They should have made the show about them and their kids because you have the dynamic of the children are more along the age of their, you know, late 30-somethings, early 40s. And they have children that can identify with the children of this era. And then the, the children that are in the, the parents that are in their 30s and 40s now can identify with the parents of this era as well. I think it would have been a very dynamic show with a great voice if it had been done that way. But instead, they put Roseanne at the center of things. And history says when you start doing th- stuff like that, it just doesn't end well. I mean, you probably saw what was going on. You've had to hear about it on social media or saw it on the radio, you know, saw it on the TV or, or heard it on the radio what were your thoughts on this? I mean, you being a, a man of color, how does that affect you? It was very infuriating, very disgusting, and very apparent. And I was very applauded by her comments, her racially laced tirade that yeah. she went on on social media. Uh, It just reveals the type of person that she is and how she truly feels about people of color and minorities. And, you know, there's no place for that in our society. Not when we're trying to move forward and we're trying to uh, set an example for our next generation of children. You know, it's not the nicest thing to say and it was very insensitive of her and now that she tries to apologize it's too late for that she she messed up you know she 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 made the decision to go on twitter and make those comments and it was unnecessary and it was uncalled for and she deserves to be out of a job today and this is ABC. This, you know, ABC should have thought about this before they bought her back on TV. They should have carefully weighed the weighed all options, you know, and they should have, you know, sat back a little bit and pondered carefully before, you know, uh, airing this TV show. Now they choose to cancel it, which is the right move. Uh, it's it's the best move you can make because why would you want to keep her on TV when it reflects your product? Yeah, your you know, your ignorance. You a, 
You know, right. it's her ignorance. Right. It gives you a bad name. If, if you were to stay with her, then people today would be, there would be demonstrators outside of ABC protesting this. You know, there, there will be people who would turn the tube off. People won't watch ABC in, 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 uh, out of anger and frustration and they would boycott the network yep. because they're still airing the show. So this was the right decision to cancel the show. I mean, uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but it had to be done after what she said. You know, she she does not belong on TV because if she said this on Twitter, she'll say it anywhere and she'll do it again. Because she probably says worse behind closed doors, you know? Exactly. That and that's the type of person Roseanne Barr is. She's a she's a racist. I, I, I hate to come out and say it like that, but I'm gonna be straightforward. She's a blatant racist. It's nothing else to it. Uh my friend, it, it is what it is. And she's she's shown that constantly over the years. She has she has been known to make herself, you know, uh put herself out there and give herself that bad name. And quite frankly, I think she just tarnished her, 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 her career. She just ruined her legacy. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing there anymore. It's, it's nothing. No one will touch her. Yeah. No one will touch her anymore. Yeah. No, no, no one won't give her a chance anymore because she, she, for one, she's a cancer to the acting industry and 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 secondly uh she who wants to work with that who wants to work with a person that is is you know uh downgrading someone else's uh ethnicity because of the color of their skin or their religious beliefs you know exactly it's dehumanizing who wants to who wants to work with a person that feels that way about uh, someone else's race. Yeah, you know, you and know, I think, and, and I think nowadays, uh, Jonathan, it's, you know, people are coming around and being a little bit more sensitive, as far as what they say in the workplace and what they say to other people. And like I said, you still have the as a whole, you know, there's still going to be racism out there, but I think yeah, but, things are changing but, but, a little bit. Exactly. They're changing a little bit, but social media has made the situation a lot worse because now that is a place where people can use their mouth and, yeah. and say whatever they want without yep. thinking. Because like I like I always say, the Internet is a weapon of choice. Yeah. It's an easy place. It's easy for anyone Words to hurt. go on the Internet. It's easy for anyone to go on the Internet and post up insensitive and racial racial remarks about people because they're sitting behind a computer screen yeah. and it makes them look it makes them look tough. Yeah, but, but a lot if of they people saw that person Yeah, exactly that's that what I was going to say. If they talk, if they saw that person face to face, it would be a whole nother story. They would probably turn in the opposite direction and walk away. They wouldn't yeah. even engage in a fight. They was at in that situation. They will stay above the 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 fray. Yeah, because a lot of things that people say, you know, words hurt, and I don't think people understand the effect that it has on a person until you actually see them in person. 
you know, sitting behind a computer screen and writing, you know, ignorant, Mm -hmm. you know, racially charged tweets. It's easy. Anybody can do that. But until you it makes you look like a coward. Yeah. But until you see how it affects the person on the other end that you're you're spitting this poison out to, it hurts. You know, words hurt, you know, and and people, I think, are, are starting to come around to that, you know, a little bit more now. And that's what I mean by things are changing a little bit is that I've seen this change with people choosing their words a little bit more carefully. You know, like exactly. I said, it's, there's still things out there and you're still going to run into these other people like that lady that was calling the cops on those people that were were having a barbecue and they weren't doing nothing wrong. There's still going to be people out there like that. There's nothing you can do about that. But there is a big thing that we can do when people, you know, engages in that manner. You don't have to downgrade yourself and engage them and start cussing and acting just like them. You can use it as an opportunity to enlighten them. You don't have to act like them, you know, but you don't have to. You can handle this and with more grace. You know, that's all I'm saying. And I think that, you know, a lot of these actors that were on the show with her, they, they actually did that. You know, they were very disappointed and they actually went on social media to voice, you know, how disappointed they were, how they how disappointed they were and how they felt bad for the for all the people who are losing their jobs because of one person. You know, one person doesn't reflect the views of the whole cast. It's just one person. I think the show should continue, but it should continue minus her and be given new life. And like I said, maybe surrounded around the children and their children, you know, and, and make something of that, you know, because yes, it wasn't because of them, but it can't continue to be the same. You can't have it. You can't have this show continue and, and be called Roseanne. It has to be something different now if it's going to continue in any way. But, you know, just reading some of these tweets from the cast, you know, from Sarah Gilbert in particular, she was saying Roseanne's recent recent comments about Valerie Jarrett are so much more. Are so much more and she is more apparent and do not reflect the beliefs of our cast and crew or anyone associated with the show. I'm disappointed in her actions to say the least and she also went on to say this is incredibly sad and difficult for all of us as if as we've created a show that we believe believe in are proud of and the audienceless love one that is separate and apart from the opinions and words of one cast member and i have to agree with her on that you know it's they shouldn't all lose their job because of the actions of one but it just goes to show you how one person can affect so many others. And that's one thing I think everybody needs to take from this is that your actions, no matter what you do or what you say to one person can have a big effect on so many others. So instead of always being negative, be positive. Can you imagine if everybody was positive for one day, the effect that it would have on the world as a whole, you know? So, Oh yes. It'll make the world such a better and healthy place. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and end our segment now. You know, we want to just say thanks for everybody who tunes in and listens. And we challenge you guys, you know, as I always end the show with, you know, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind to one another. Go out there and make a difference and actually be kind to somebody else, you know. 
Like I always say, open the door for someone, say hi to someone, buy someone a coffee, maybe, you know, buy a homeless man a meal, give him some money, do something that is going to usher in an era of positivity, you know, in a world that's full of negativity at this point in time. So be it, go out there, change the world by not causing more chaos, but by causing positive thoughts and positive influences, not just on the people around you, but the people that those people talk to. So one person can have a big effect on everything else. So let's change it for the better. All right, guys, that's about all the time we have for the Two Shots podcast. But before we go, we're going to let you know where you can look and at Jonathan's great content. Where can the people find you, Jonathan, on, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or even on the World Wide Web? If they want to follow me, they are more than welcome to follow me at Twitter, SportsJudge85. I'm there, and they can check me out as well at SportsJudge85. Same thing over at Instagram. And they can also follow our fan pages, Michael and our fan page for the show Outsider Sports Live uh, at Facebook, Outsider Sports Live. And then you can follow me at SoCal Chronicle, our Facebook fan page there. And you can also read our content at SoCalChronicle.com. So make sure you go out there and like and follow them. And you can also find us at Two Shots Podcast, which is all spelled out, T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find us on the World Wide Web at TwoShotsSA.com. So for Jonathan Mathis, I'm Joe Garcia. Y'all take care. Peace.